Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. And free two-day shipping. Shop today and get the best deal ever. When Sire moves us to the new world, we're gonna need names. I mean, 89Q12, it's not really a name. So, I would like my name to be Lila. 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 That's a pretty name, Lila. Thank you. I think my name shall be Teefs. Because although we all do have them, mine are definitely the most prominent. <laughs> <laughs> Teefs. Teefs. Lila. Teefs. <laughs> <laughs> me be called Floor because me is lying on floor. You're lying on a floor? So your name is Floor? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> floor. <laughs> What about you, friend? Someday, I'm gonna make great machines that fly. And me and my friends are gonna go flying together into the forever and beautiful sky. Lila, and Teefs, and Floor, and me. Rocket. Rocket. It really is good to have friends. Yeah. I always forget. Welcome to the Superhero Cinephiles Podcast. I'm your host, Perry Constantine. Welcoming back um, one of my favorite returning guests, uh, the Star Wars writing motherfucker himself, Mr. Adam Lance Garcia. How you doing today? Always happy to be here, Perry. Uh, that's the best intro I've gotten in a very long time. The Star Wars writing motherfucker. That's actually what it says on my business card. That's what I have. I have to update that now. Just put it on my bios and on Twitter, and if I ever get blue sky, I'll just put that there. Um, yeah, perfect intro, perfect. No notes. I was I was thinking about you know because we've had you on a bunch of times. There's no neat reason to reintroduce you to everybody, and I but I figured you should find something a little bit more unique to say. I'm like I should I should plug the fact that he's writing a Star Wars because I know that's what he loves so much. So well, yeah, it's what I love so much, but it's always interesting, especially, you know, you and I came up in this this writing industry together. And I think it's like it's weird. I mean, especially you and I are still doing this and so many so many folks aren't. Um, mm-hmm. It's a weird it's a weird dream come true. I cannot believe yeah. it happens. Yeah. Um, but uh Today, we're going to be talking about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Uh, still in theaters at the time we're recording. Uh, I'm actually pushing this this episode ahead of a bunch of others that have already been recorded. So, just fair warning before we get too deep in this episode, there will be spoilers in here. So, if oh, you have not seen the movie... This. Yeah. If you have not seen this movie and you don't want to be spoiled, stop right now, go to the theater, watch the fucking movie, you will not regret it, and then come back and oh, listen yeah. to us gush about it for the next hour or so. Um, yeah. 
But before we do that, uh, what's going on? What anything uh, that's interesting you lately? Anything grabbing your attention? Uh, well, I mean, right now I'm still working on my my last in quotations Green Llama novel uh, that has been the bane of my existence for the, and the pleasure of my existence for the last almost six. Oh my god, I even know how many years at this point. Um, I I I. I'm in the final act. I'm actually in the final act for the first time in a very long time, but there's still so much to write. And we were, before we were recording, I mentioned like this first draft is going to be like 600 pages long. This, I, I know it's going to be edited down. Uh, it's very timey wimey. It's very weird. Um, but I think it's coming together and I'm, I'm really happy with the way it's coming together, but I'm at a point in my life where I'm just like, I think I would have obsessed about every single line as I went and now I'm very much in a place of just get a draft done and you can perfect it later. So mm-hmm. that's what's something that's, uh, that's, that's been, that was like my week. Um, and, uh, oh yeah. Uh, something that's been a, uh, an MC related thing. This came out, I think what, like last week. Yeah. Last week, uh, or two weeks ago, time has no meaning. It's an illusion. Um, I did a, a, a video with uh, Elizabeth Olsen in which she talked about WandaVision. Um, and I'm still like thinking about that video um, just where she's like, yeah, the writers of Multiverse of Madness didn't read uh, see WandaVision. And you're like, yep, I totally could tell. Um, <laughs> so it was it was an interesting thing. And what else am I doing? I don't know. I'm reading a lot of Star Wars. It's all research now, which is a cool thing to say. Um, I'm playing Star Wars Jedi Survivor. That's a fun game. Um, yeah, I really want to play Zelda, but I have to finish the fir- the last Zelda <laughs> before I be- play this Zelda. Um, yeah, those are the things that's going on in my life. Perry, where are you up to? Um, I am just busy as fuck. I've got two kids. So like I've, <laughs> and every time I want to sit down and play video games, it's just like, I, I start up the PS4 cause I haven't gotten the PS5 yet. Although I was looking at the figuring out cause found out it, all the stuff is backwards compatible, all the downloads mm. and stuff. So I'm like, oh, okay, so I could. I could sell my PS4 because now they got the PS5s on sale for yep. like, you know, 400 bucks or so. So I'm like, maybe I could sell the PS4, get a decent amount of money for that, and then buy the PS5. And it's only going to cost me like, you know, half as much or something like that. Yeah. Um, but I got all these games on PS4 that I still haven't played. And every time I start it up, it's like, you have to update your system. So it's like, all right, wait like 15, 20 minutes for it to update. And then after it updates, then it's um, my daughter comes in. She needs something. And it's like, so it's like, and, and then, and I've got like, I'm like, I've got half an hour to play. And then it's like waiting for updates and all this stuff. And it's like, okay, now I've got 10 minutes to play. And it's like these games now, they're just so big and sprawling. It's like, I yeah. don't know what to do now. I don't have enough time to really yeah. get into this at all. So it, no, it's yeah. I, I, I envy being able to have time to play video games. I mean, I'm, I'm probably going to die alone and sad. So there's, there's that. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a trade. It is a trade off. Um, I will say, though, it's like uh, it's funny because like um, I'm not the most avid gamer in the world, um, but like I've weirdly it sounds weird to say, but like I've tried to like make the effort to sit down and play more video games um, just because I'm like I I have a PlayStation 5. I have a Switch. Um, I'm always like they're there. I mean, the PlayStation 5 was mostly so I could have a 4k player with a 4k tv um Mm. because why not um but then it's like i have all these games some that i've gotten for free for work because my day job is dumb um and they're just like do you want to go play god of war and i'm like all right i guess um that's that's a humble brag 
ignore me. <laughs> um, and then, <laughs> and then, and then like, but then like, I, I want to play these games and it's just like, you know, I realize I'm very bad at video games. I'm mm-hmm. really like, I, th- I have like friends who like got the new star Wars, uh, Jedi survivor game and they, they fucking beat it already. Like it came out two weeks ago. They played in like three days. Like, I don't know. I'm probably gonna be doing this for the next six months of my life. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's just, and it's like, this is me like sitting there for like two hours at a time being like, all right, I'm setting aside the time to play this video game and just dying and dying and dying and dying. And my girlfriend's like, why don't I ever, see? I, I mentioned this to my girlfriend and she's like, in the 11 years we've been together, she's like, I've never seen you play a video game. Cause I'm like, if I'm going to choose to do something with you in the room, it's not mm-hmm. going to play a video game. And so when she's, mm-hmm. she's a traveling nurse, so she comes home and I'm like, I want to sit in bed and read with you or just watch a movie with you. I want to do something that's communal. But mm-hmm. I could like, she's like, oh, but I could lay in like your lap sleeping while you play a video game. I'm like, but then I'll rage quit. And you don't want to see that. <laughs> <laughs> My wife actually, she likes it. Um, Cause she, she bought a switch and, um, she she was really into it at first and then it, she get lost it and then she actually gave it to her nephew um mm. uh, before i could finish ultimate alliance 3 unfortunately <laughs> um but uh and then she's like she's like yeah you know I, I like video games i like watching other people she's like i like watching you play video games but i i don't really get into it as much myself um yeah and i've got no, the vr a, stuff a... too but i can't use it because every time i put it on like i got the i got helena always wanted to play with the cords and everything and just like i can't i gotta wait until they they get older until they fall asleep or uh, unless my wife takes them out to her sister's place or something yeah i can't ever i mean to, to the, it's weird because like there is like i have a friends who come over i'm like do you want to play the playstation 5 or something like i want to watch you watch it i'm like that mm. sounds like the most boring thing I've i know ever i don't no, get it no and literally no offense to your wife, obviously, because no, I, I, yeah, I, I'm the same exact way as you. Like I see all these videos and people say like, Oh yeah, I watched the playthroughs on YouTube. And I'm just like, why? I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Like I, I would understand if it's like how to like, I would watch it to like, Oh, how they did that. Like, Mm. because I'm stuck on a, like, on a, like this one boss and I can't beat the boss. Um, how do I defeat them? But like, yeah, I mean, again, like this is not disparaging in any way because like, Mm -hmm. I mean, Twitch is a a massive growing community and there are people who really legitimately uh, get enjoyment out of watching people play video games. But for me, it's like someone saying um, it's like sports. It's like, I'm not a big sports fan. So it's like, they're like, I love watching sports. I'm like, I, you know, I could do anything. I could do anything besides what I'd rather play the sport. I'd rather play mm-hmm. the video game than watch the thing. I think that's like, you know, I'd rather be an act. If I'm going to be, if this thing is meant to be an act of participation, I want to be an active participant. Again, mm-hmm. this is not disparaging. This is just personal taste. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, I, 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 I can't. Understand. Even though I, mean, I do not understand. Even the walkthrough videos, man, like whenever I get stuck on something in a game, I miss strategy guides like i miss when they were oh just God, like you just yeah. look it up online it's like here's how to do it just re- okay it takes me five seconds to read this instead i gotta find a video scrub through the video it's like oh here's this one part i need all right yeah it would have been I'll so much better like, if i could just yeah now i just do like you know like i'm like i finished this one game called death loop which is really good it's like a, a time loop game and it's just like death loop blink 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 solve and it's like i get a little article i'm like uh, okay great uh, okay now yeah. i understand yeah like it, it's i'd rather i'd rather again i'd just rather do it myself um mm-hmm. again, same here 
this is not uh, just not saying you're wrong for liking and watching video games. I just don't understand no, yeah, you. Yeah. And you confuse me. Same here. Yeah. I um, although on that note, I did because uh, I'd read um, the latest uh, injustice, one of the the injustice to the third volume, and uh, it was okay. one of the many many books on my Kindle that I have to that I have to find, make time to read. And um, after reading that, I'm like, you know what? I kind of want to give the game another try again. And it's just like that game just like i don't get how people can m- m- do all these combos and shit like i don't get it i can't do it i can't do it yeah. i gave up on it i i know we're all yeah it's like the like like xyz like like i i mean yeah and this is also like one of those things where i think it's a unique thing where i would i would almost be okay reading that story and i i'll watch the cinematics on that um, than I would actually play the game because I'm not a big like I I want to have an immersive experience like a fighting game. While those were like very big when you and I were growing up, um, and they still are obviously, um, but like I don't have I don't get as invested in it as much as because I'm not good at all of the the coding and the 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 combinations. It's just very frustrating for me. So I'd rather watch the cinematics on Injustice. Um, would probably like then I would uh, actually play it. So that's where that that's where I'm a hypocrite. So there you go. No, I, that I mean, it, watching the cinematics is one thing because injustice, you know, the the tired trope of you know evil Superman aside, it's it's actually a pretty damn good story. Like that comic book that Tom Taylor yeah. did, that was that was solid stuff. So because it's basically like he uh, like the Joker kills lois lane by making by making superman think like like hypnotizing him sort of essentially mm-hmm. and then causing the destruction of metropolis or something to that effect yeah and like lois lane is like pregnant with his child and she's like he goes all bat shit and then they get the batman from our universe to help like defeat the batman that beat the defeat the superman of that universe because like the heroes are divided right they bring the Superman of our universe to go in and fight the Superman of their universe. Oh, that was the, that's the yeah. plot of the first game. The The comic is just everything that comes before that. It's like five years. Um, gotcha. It's like five years of what happens before the game. And the, the comic ends with just like they're going to go get the, the Justice League of the other universe to bring them in to gotcha, take care of things. Gotcha, yeah. Uh, yeah but yeah it's, i mean it's a it's a good read it's a, especially the first few like it, it I've, as it gets on it you can see like okay you're you're kind of dragging this story out as long as you can now to yeah. really capitalize it but especially those first few volumes they're really solid and yeah. injustice too from what i started reading uh because like i said i just finished the third book it's pretty solid too nice uh yeah i have to i'm so far behind the comics man i'm so i have to i actually I have to go. I there just reminds me. I have to go to the uh, comic store to pick up some comics, and I know they're there and they're sitting there, and they're waiting for me, getting angry. I yeah. So that's a, I think that's what's happening this week. Oh yeah. No, I'll just go on Wednesday. Fuck it. Okay, never mind. Okay. <laughs> All right. Ah. Uh, well, let's jump into it. Let's talk about why let's we're jump here. into it. Let's Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy. Let's get away. Volume three. Guardians of the Galaxy. Because I do not want to talk about like let like I need to go buy comics and this is what the people are listening for. So what's Adam <laughs> doing on Wednesday? Okay. <laughs> and by the time this comes out, Wednesday will be long past. Yeah. No, they'll know I've gotten the comics. <laughs> they'll know. So, yes. They'll know you've gotten the comics. Yeah. Let's talk about something that we all really enjoyed. Mm. Before we dive too much in the movie, what's your history? 
both with Guardians of the Galaxy, because I know we've talked many times before. You yes. came on to talk about the Suicide Squad, talked about Peacemaker. Yes. We know you're a James Gunn fan. Um, yes. What's your history with uh, Guardians of the Galaxy? Um, is, I've, is the concept. I've, I've loved it since day one. I had some frustration, initial frustration with it when it was basically like, very similar to one of my favorite TV shows, Farscape. And James mm. Gunn has said, like, oh, yeah, totally. Like, he's actually come out like, yeah, I love Farscape. It's a total influence. And, like, he cast Ben Browder, the lead of uh, Farscape, in the second one as one of the uh, the the uh, Ravagers? Oh, Sovereigns, okay. The, the so- Sovereign, he's one. See, he's the assistant uh, in that. Uh, so, like, b- setting aside that, like, my initial frustration, like, I've loved every single installment of them. I love the first one. I love the second one. I had argued the second one's better than the first one, which mm. I know I'm probably the minority on that one. Nope, I'm right um, here with you. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it, it's also, like, the one film series that my girlfriend and I both, like, unequivocally love. And when... It's like she loved the first one, but she like just is enamored by the second. And one of the weirder, more like I would sometimes tell like good and bad, like pop culture news. Whenever she found out like something bad, she get really upset. She's like, why did you tell me? Don't tell me these things. Now I'm sad. So I kept the story of what happened to James Gunn where some alt-right trolls brought up some old Twitter threads of his where he was trying to be edgy um and off color uh and got him fired i kept that news from her for the very uh, for a very very long time so we're driving back from visiting my parents and my girlfriend says apropos of nothing like when am i getting guardians of the galaxy volume three so i reach over and i turned off the radio and i'm like honey we have to talk and (laughs) i told her what happened she was really sad um, and I mean, I think it was, I think it's bullshit. I think the whole thing that happened with James Gunn in volume, uh, at, with, with him getting fired was bullshit. Weirdly, I think it was the best thing that ever could have happened because of where he is now, all the things he's done and mm-hmm. then getting volume three to still be the version that he wrote, the version of his vision is just, it, it's great. I, I love this series. I argue it is the best trilogy of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I think it also shows, um, you know, uh, trilogy plus because you have the holiday special and you have to sort of incorporate right. Infinity War and Endgame into that into that uh, arc. Um, but I think this trilogy plus, um, especially the things that are written and directed by James Gunn, are the best marvel films the best marvel trilogy and i think it both highlights all of the marvel cinematic universe's strengths while also highlighting all of the mcu's weaknesses which we'll discuss more in in detail Mm -hmm. uh things that you and i probably won't agree on but we've talked about this in detail over the last Mm -hmm. god knows how long um so yeah my my history of the guardians galaxy is just unbridled love um and that we got the third volume and that it is so goddamn beautiful and is makes me so freaking happy. What about the comics? Were you, were you a reader of the, Not, the comics I mean, song? I mean, uh, vaguely as kid, I remember, I remember like there's that one guy with the, uh, uh, the captain America shield. I remember that major victory. Um, yeah. Re- 
major victory. I remember that. Um, and I remember like sort of Yondu, uh, sort of the visuals of him, but like in terms of like specifics, I couldn't tell you. I mean, I just remember like having the comics and I remember the covers, but I don't remember ever reading the stories in any detail. And I think, uh, major victory or captain victory. Um, I like that cause I just like captain America and that's mm-hmm. what I gravitated towards. Um, but I really never, I never, I would never say that I was uh, a dedicated reader. Yeah, I would be lying uh, yeah. if I said that. I um, I was aware of the Guardians in the comics when I was a kid because I had the the ninety two Marvel trading cards. My brother had a whole set he gave mm, to me. Who did? And, yeah, and yeah, and they had uh, you know, and they had all the team cards, and one of them was the Guardians of the Galaxy. So I remembered them from that, and that that was basically my mm. own, the most familiarity I had with them. And yeah. like you, I you know, I'm like, oh that guy's got captain America's shield. That's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, and, and then later finding out that he's actually, there, there's this weird timey wimey stuff where he, um, in his past self, he, he stopped him from going into this chamber type thing. And so then he becomes justice in the new warriors and the Avengers. Um, it's the same guy. <laughs> I did not know that. Uh, Oh yeah. I yeah. Learned today. yeah. 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 Same guy. Uh, and then, um, in the, was it the early aughts? I think it was when they did the uh, Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning did the Guardians of the Galaxy series that spun out of um, uh, Annihilation. Um, I've never been a cosmic Marvel guy. Like I read Peter David's Captain Marvel and dug that, but that was probably like the most familiarity I ever had with anything cosmic Marvel outside of whatever would pop up in Avengers or X-Men. So I was never a big cosmic Marvel guy, but um, I thought the idea of Rocket Raccoon was pretty cool. And then yeah. I saw in um, when they relaunched Guardians of the Galaxy and they and they had it. It was a modern day because the original Guardians was in the future and the, they, the modern day Guardians of the Galaxy. They had Rocket Raccoon in there. And I'm just like, oh, that's cool. And I started reading. I'm like, this guy's really awesome. This guy is just what I thought he would be. He's really badass. And then when they said they're going to do the movie at first, I'm like, and they said it was going to be based on the Abnett and Lanning version. My first thought was, and I want I, I want to know what your take on when it first came when they first announced this too, because they you know they just hit it big with Avengers, and they're like, yeah, and then and then Kevin Feige comes out and he's like, our next big team we're doing, and I'm just like, oh, here it comes. It's not going to be Fantastic Four, is it going to be Defenders then? You know, because they got they got Doctor Strange, they got the Hulk. It's going to be, is it going to be Defenders? And I'm a big Defenders guy. I'm like, it's probably going to be Defenders. And then he's like. Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm like, record scratch. What? <laughs> I did not know. And then I, I saw remember, the. Yeah. So and then I saw Wait. the first, um, the first concept art, and it was like you know the the five the five characters. You had Star Lord, Gamora, Drax, Rocket, and Brute. And when I saw Rocket, I'm like, no way. They're not gonna do Rocket Raccoon. Are you kidding me? That's just a. This is just very early concept art. That's going to change. And then it came out and I'm like, holy shit, they actually fucking did it. They gave us a gun toting raccoon. I fucking love it. And they got Bradley Cooper, who was like the a huge star at the time to voice him. And I'm just like, what? This is insane. Um, so I was totally on board for it right from the start. And and everybody thought it was going to flop. That's what I loved at the time. Yeah. Like everybody was like, this is going to be Marvel's first flop. And yeah. Nope. <laughs> Complete opposite. I remember like, and I think you and I talked about this on Facebook at the time, uh, but I remember very vividly the sort of dichotomy between DC, like saying like, well, we really can't do something like Martian Manhunter. That's too weird. And then mm. Marvel's like, here's a fucking talking raccoon. 
entry. I mean, no, this was back and when I DC remember- was afraid like Wonder Woman wouldn't work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think I really like, I really like the, um, again, I think that going back to my earlier statement, I, I think the Guardians of the Galaxy trilogy shows like the best parts and also by, by avoiding them, like the worst parts of the MCU, the best parts are mm-hmm. like, let's just like, you know what? These are comic book movies. Like let's make these characters like this. It, we have a talking raccoon. We'll just go for it. Just, just, mm-hmm. just say yes to what is there. Say yes to like, Oh, you, we have uh, a talking tree. That's just only says three words. I am Groot. We'll, we'll just, we go 110% behind that. So I think that's like, to my mind, that's always the strongest aspect of the MCU has always been just looking in the comics, distilling it down to what works about those comics and mm. being unapologetic about those comic book aspects. I mean, obviously there's a bit of that sort of Whedon thing that sort of became baked into it of like kind of making fun mm-hmm. of the comics in some ways, which is, you know, I think has a bit in a bit of diminishing returns in some respects, but also at the same time, like made it a little bit more palatable to uh, more like uh, regular fans. Um, mm. But I don't think that was ever the case in the guardian films. Like there's obviously a lot of humor and a lot of like making, you know, fun of these other, these characters, but it never felt like at expense of like winking and nudging at the audience. It's more like these characters reacting off of each other. So I think mm-hmm. they did a really good job of, again, I think with the guardians of the galaxy, volume one is a good example of like the Marvel cinematic universe, just yes. Ending everything from the comics and being unapologetic about it. Um, and I think by going full throttle on, on those basic concepts of a talking raccoon, a talking tree, mm-hmm. uh, like all these really weird things. Um, it makes it stand out, but I also think it's, it was what still, and I saw a review about this volume for volume three, but like, why guardians work so well in a way that like you know that you could debate about superhero fatigue um mm-hmm. but i think what's interesting about the guardians of the galaxy films it never feels like superhero stories it feels like a space adventure story mm-hmm. that's like the, the fact that they lead with that that it also happens to be in the marvel cinematic universe is a plus um and i think again i can go into more depth but i think that also shows why it's the best and also shows what the worst of the marvel cinematic universe is where it's but I, I can talk about it. I, you know what? I'm here. Let me talk about it now. Uh, but basically, it's like I, what I think is interesting, and I um, with the Guardians of the Galaxy films, um, in this one respect, is that it sets itself in the MCU in every single aspect. It uses Thanos. It uses uh, uh, the Ronan, the, the the Accuser. Um, you know, it ties Infinity in Stones to, works in Infinity Stones exactly. You know, it. it takes into account all the events of infinity war and Endgame and volume three um it it says it's set in the mcu but you don't need to know anything about the mcu to enjoy this movie mm-hmm. the only ones you like the only things that you need to really know about is like what happened to gamora mm-hmm. um it, which is like honestly the that's like the one thing um and it's handled fairly well in volume three but like everything else is just using the MCU as backdrop. And I think what has happened a lot to the MCU, and I think a lot of the, the trilogies, um, is that they became too reliant upon the MCU to tell a story. And I think that while 
I think in the short term, that was very exciting. Like I think with a big asterisk on Iron Man 3, which is another conversation, but you look at Captain America, the Captain America trilogy, the Spider-Man trilogy, the Thor now quadrilogy, um, and the Guardians of the Galaxy trilogy. You look at Spider-Man, uh, Captain America, and Thor, for example. Let's let's use uh, Captain America, for example. Like the third film in the Captain America trilogy, uh, while I really like Civil War, is an Avengers film. It is an Avengers mm-hmm. film with like the spine of Captain America, right? Um, but a lot of these story beats, a lot of the elements that you have to know about aren't in the Gar- Captain America movies. Mm-hmm. Like, who are these characters in relation to Captain America? You have to watch the Avenger films to sort of understand who these characters are. Um, mm-hmm. It really feels it's more of a five film series than it is a three film series. With Thor Ragnarok, as much fun as that is, we don't know who Hulk is outside, um, like, in relation to Thor, if you only watch the first two movies, you watch two and three. And like, if someone just sat down, like here's the Thor trilogy and you never see any of the Avengers films, who the fuck is Hulk? Like, mm-hmm. and then Spider-Man no way home. is, I think again, a film I enjoy, I want to be very clear on this mm-hmm. is that a film. It, it is, it is, has, 90% of that film has nothing to do with Tom Holland and mm. his villains and his spy. Like, yes, it's part of his journey, but like so many of the villains, the characters that come into that movie are from other versions of the franchise, mm-hmm. you know, like completing arcs that we, if you just sat down and uh, said to someone's like, here's the Spider-Man homecoming trilogy. Like the first, even then, like, like, Who's uh, Iron Man? It kind of works in the first one, but then like the second. Then you've one, got the the death of Iron Man and everything like that. That yeah, and everything and, and like that. Well, yeah. Where does anything like just by itself? It doesn't make any sense. And then the third film is just like all this stuff from the multiverse, which again I really enjoy, mm-hmm. but I don't think that film does a good enough job of explaining who these characters are in relation to it. Uh, versus like Spider Verse, but then you look at the Guardians of the Galaxy trilogy where it uses the MCU as a backdrop. And mm-hmm. again, with a notable exception of Gamora, which I, I feel like Gunn was kind of forced to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, so much of the story, like you don't have to really watch Avengers Infinity War and Endgame to understand this narrative. Like you could, for the most part, just watch Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1, Volume 2, The Holiday Special, and Volume 3. And that story all works. I mean, you and could even... Is- yeah. You could even leave out the holiday special too, in some ways, because the only really big thing there is the fact that they bought nowhere, and um, and uh, Mantis uh, uh, reveals that she's Peter's sister, and even that you could yeah. kind of they mention that very quickly, right? And you could just and if you've only watched two, and then you go straight to three, you'd be like, oh, okay, I guess that was something that yeah. was in that I missed in the in the second one, or it came up after the fact, or something like that, or is implied by the second one. Right. So this, it's like, yeah, it, it's so. You know, I, I feel like I, and again, I, the with the asterisks on Gamora, I feel like just yeah, it's just it's so refreshing to get an MCU trilogy that operates as a trilogy um, that actually is self-contained in in like I'm gonna say like eighty percent. It is eighty percent self-contained. Um, 
And that's really, 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 really nice. The fact that like, but then on top of that, the fact that like every single character in volume three gets this beautiful arc that like, it's all, it uses rocket raccoon as the, the emotional spine of the story. It's just, man, what a masterclass of storytelling. I mean, is it perfect? No, but I don't care. Like almost like the flaws are like endearing in its way, but yeah. I'm sorry. I'm ranting. No, no, that I I'm like 98% with you on most of that stuff. Like I, I got the big, the one big thing is like the, the interconnectivity obviously doesn't bother me as much as it bothers you. Um, I'm totally on board for all that, but, but at the same time, you, you may, that is a, that is a very accurate point. I'd also quibble. I think, I think Thor Ragnarok actually gives you enough of what you need to know about Hulk to, to watch it so I, i'd quibble on that part but otherwise you, your your point's well taken um and yeah I, if you do want that yeah. if you do want that self-contained thing you're right guardians of the galaxy is the is the trilogy that does the best job of setting it in the mcu making it clear it's set in the mcu but at the same time not being beholden to the event of the mcu in a way it's um in a way that uh Shazam did kind of the same thing with the DC stuff, yeah. right? It's clearly set in the DCEU, but it's not beholden to, or even the Suicide Squad, right? Clearly set yeah. in that universe, clearly a sequel to Suicide Squad. But if you didn't watch Suicide Squad, first off, congratulations, you're a better person than yeah, I am. <laughs> you make better life decisions than me. Uh, yeah. But but even still, you would not be lost. It gives you everything you need to know in both those movies. It fits into those universes without being um, without requiring you to do any additional homework on it. You're right, absolutely right on those on those points. Um, yeah, and I, and I I don't disagree. Like I don't dislike the interconnectivity, um, but I, I feel like I just I guess maybe it's because so much of the MCU has become reliant upon that interconnectivity. Mm-hmm. Um, um, that they've lost sight of being able to tell a standalone story. If you want to like, look, oh, oh, here's another good example. And Quantum Media, another trilogy mm-hmm. that just a cap recently happened. Well, those first two films, um, I really enjoy because I love again. There's that small scale um, that uses the MCU as a backdrop, and that's a lot of fun. And then the third film, you know, Quantum Mania almost has nothing to do with the first two films, mm-hmm. and then is all about setting up a villain that we already met in another movie, in a, in a TV show, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and it becomes less about this character and this journey and ending this, this story and more about the next thing. So I think mm-hmm. that's more my, my point. I think it's like, I don't dislike the interconnectivity. I think when I go to say like, it shows what isn't working necessarily for me with the MCU is that I think a lot of the films today um, have forgotten how to tell standalone narratives. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's something that Gunn is really good at. I think to your point, like the Suicide Squad, you don't need to see Man of Steel or Batman versus Superman and Suicide Squad and the Justice League to understand anything that's happening in that narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, in the same way that like, you kind of don't even need to see that. I mean, it like the fact that volume three works on its own as a standalone na- narrative uh, is testament. I think it works so much better because you are invested in these characters for two to three films. And that's a, that's a different conversation, but it's a standalone story. 
the story is there this character gets hurt and these characters have to uh, their his friends have to go try and save him um and they save him and in doing so they save each other mm-hmm. um and i don't think really any mcu film has been really capable of doing that uh, in a really long time mm-hmm. and again that's not necessarily a negative on internet connectivity i think there's a lot of benefit to interconnectivity as I say, as a Star Wars fan and a Star Wars writer, like there is something to be said about like setting these stories in larger universes and using that universe to propel your story forward. Uh, I would argue with um, on. I think Shang Chi did a pretty good job of also doing that too. Like the third act problems aside, it wasn't, and you know the post credit scene obviously was very much tied to the MCU. But the rest of that movie, like it had this tangential connection to Iron Man three, but it wasn't as overly connected to it. Like the whole point about, you know, the biggest thing about that was the Trevor Slattery character. And that I would kind of liken to being like the Gamora thing in, in Guardians of the Galaxy volume three. If you know it, it it definitely helps it. If you don't know it, he's just a wacky side character that pops in. Yeah. I mean, I can see that, but I I mean, but also Shang-Chi remember that's like the first of the, like, you know, I feel like the first of every trilogy that they do or series they do is relatively self-contained mm-hmm. um you know but then by the third uh it just like it becomes a mess and i think what's also really interesting is the um i mean gardens and galaxy volume three is the only series that's written directed by one person mm-hmm. i mean i'm sure there's been rewrites i'm sure there's like some script doctors there's always right. is um but like, even though John Watts did all Spider-Man films and even though Peyton Reed did all the Ant-Man films, um, they all had very different writers throughout. Right. You know, and they had, uh, I mean, and that, and again, that's not, it's, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy uh, trilogy being one person uh, writing and directing is, is very, very rare. Not even the original mm-hmm. Star Wars trilogy had the same writers. It right. had like the, you know, so like, it, it's it, like, understand it's, it's incredibly rare what happened, mm-hmm. but like, you know, I think it's interesting, like, with Thor, Iron Man, um, you know, you had several different directors, Favreau for the first two in Iron Man and Shane Black, Tonal Whiplash is someone I like Iron Man 3, and, but, like, it's a very different movie yeah, uh, yeah. than the first two films. Uh, same thing happened with Thor. Like, you have three different directors, and, you know, Taka Waititi comes in, and, like, it's a completely different movie. Mm-hmm. Um, than the previous movies, like stylistically, like the same characters are there, yeah, but like it's it's a different. Where, you know, with Guardians, like there's that singular voice mm-hmm. throughout. Um, and I think it's also really refreshing that like all three films feel like a James Gunn movie mm-hmm. in a way that I don't really think. Um, you know, I don't know what a John Watts movie looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really know what a Peyton Reed movie looks like but I do know what a James Gunn movie looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, I know what a James Gunn f- movie feels like. Um, and that's prevalent throughout. I think it'll be interesting what happens when Black Panther three comes out, because uh, I know you had issues with the, the name stuff in Wakanda forever, but even that aside, it was still pretty self-contained to the, uh, to the Black Panther stuff. It didn't really address a whole lot of stuff that was happening in the, in the larger MCU. Um, and even the first Black Panther, you know, arguably had some of that because they had the, the stuff with Civil War and Claw and all that mm. kind of stuff, but which kind of served as a more of a place setting for the first one. But so I think 
And that too, it looks like it'll be the same director all throughout. So I think if anything's going to be a contender for having that same kind of self-contained feel, it'd probably be the Black Panther trilogy when we get to the third movie. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how that I, plays out when they get there. I yeah. mean, at Ironheart too, but again, she was introduced in Wakanda Forever. She wasn't um, brought in from something else. I mean, look, I'm going to be biased. I, I really hope Ironheart is great. Like my my former classmate is the showrunner on that, so I really want that to that to that to succeed. You know, Shinaka Hodge is um, a really talented writer, and I really hope that works. Um, just like I really like, I you know, I wanted What If to to work because like I have an inherent bias. Ashley Bradley mm-hmm. uh, was the showrunner on that. Um, so like you know, it's like again, like I, 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 it's always weird, especially now that like we're at a point in our lives where like I actually know the people who are doing this, like, and not just like oh, I met them through work. Uh, like I actually like have known these people for for decades. Um, so I do have some like inherent biases on some of these MCU films and projects. But like, yeah, I, I, I worry that, um, I, I worry that they're not seeing the forest for the trees mm-hmm. um because there's so like the big event the big thing the, whatever's coming next um that they forget like to tell a story that means something and that's why i love guardians of the galaxy volume three it's like you could tell gun was saying something mm-hmm. um i i i will not i i won't hesitate to say that, like i was i haven't had this in a long time i was physically sobbing one mm-hmm. at the end of this movie yeah i i i literally like um i i, I knew it was coming I, I i i could feel it um you know but like i literally had my hand over my mouth um just crying hysterically and sobbing i haven't had that experience in a marvel film in a very like even when everyone fucking died in end of any war i didn't give a shit um mm-hmm. but like end of guardians of volume three he goes to see his grandfather i'm crying like a baby just, mm-hmm. just sobbing and then you know drax is dancing and i'm still crying it's just mm-hmm. yeah i haven't had anything like that in a very very long time with the marvel film or just a movie in general mm-hmm. yeah so i was a little bit nervous going into this movie actually because there's some yeah. early reviews that came out and said like you know oh guardians of the galaxy volume three continues marvel's you know phase four problem or whatever it was one of the articles i, okay. I just read the headline i didn't re- i didn't I didn't read it because I don't want any spoilers, but um, I haven't gone back to find it since. But so I saw that that pop up on on newsfeed somewhere, and then I had heard the um, the the soundtrack uh, on Spotify, and like the first two soundtracks for for one and two, I'm just like, man, these these are, these are fucking bangers. Like especially the first one is just like got an amazing selection of songs, and the second oh, yeah. one, the selection is not as good. But when I saw the movie, I'm just like, oh my god, I this is amazing how he worked in this music into it. Yeah. And I got and I listened to the soundtrack for this one and yeah, there's some bangers on there, you know, um, but I'm probably going to, you know, a lot of people are probably going to wonder what the hell is wrong with me, but I've never gotten the Radiohead appeal. So like when I heard the Radiohead song on there, I'm just like, "Eh," and like some of the other ones. So it just didn't it didn't give me that same wow factor the other two had. So I was starting to get a little bit. I'm like it's been a while since he worked on one of these, you know, he's really into the DC stuff now. I'm like, maybe he's just kind of like, you know, I wonder if he's kind of phoning it in on this one based on those early reviews. And, and then, and then I went and saw it and like, and I was, I was nervous too, because my son woke up several times. He would only get me, let me get like four hours of sleep the night before. And I'm going to see it first thing in the morning. And I'm just like, fuck, I hope I don't fall asleep. 
I was riveted the whole time. I was like right there on yeah. the edge of my seat and just like not even my eyelids did not move once. And just like, I was totally invested right from the start. Um, yeah. yeah. And, uh, now there were a few things, uh, a few minor things that I had here. One thing is I don't think this was the story gun originally had in mind, at least not completely because, or I'm not sure, or exactly. Cause I'm not sure the Adam Warlock stuff that it feels like it's left over from something else, or there was a different, I, and I don't, I've got nothing to back this up, but my theory is that he introduced Adam Warlock at the end of Volume 2 in the anticipation that Adam Warlock was going to be a factor in the Infinity War and Endgame stuff. Because, and I do remember too, in Infinity War, there's that end scene where Thanos, he does the snap, and then he's in this, you know, this this he's in the Soul Gem, basically, right? It's got this orange tint to it. He sees Gamora, and she asks him uh, what it cost him, and he said everything and all that. And I'm just like, at the end of Infinity War, I'm just like, and in comics, Adam Warlock's very connected to the Soul Gem. Like, oh, okay, so Adam Warlock's going to be connected to the Soul Gem. That's going to be how they, and then they did something completely different, which I'm fine with, but it was just, when we got to this movie, the Adam Warlock part of it felt it didn't feel as integrated to the whole thing as everything else was. I mean, I, I do wonder if that's the case. Um, I mean, I'm sure there's like, I think broad strokes, like he has said that like, this is what he intended. Um, I know that he, I don't know if he intended, I, mean, I know there was a, a version where like Gamora was going to leave or die in volume two, mm-hmm. that uh, he was, he was talked down from doing that. Um, because apparently Zoe Saldana wanted to leave, not from the role, but she's like, I just, she had like signed on for a certain amount of films and she, and, um, they convinced her and gun to keep her alive. Um, so I went like, I mean, I, as with any story, I'm sure it evolved over time. I wouldn't be surprised if like Adam Warlock was supposed to be a part of, uh, the infinity war, but they decided not to use him. I, mm-hmm. I, again, I wouldn't, I would not be surprised. I mean, the fact that like Thor, joined the guardians of the galaxy which again is something that i actually really liked mm. um as like i think it's one of the biggest mistakes infinity war made was having him like interact with the uh, guardians and then like immediately leave it leaving i'm like this is an interesting dynamic or we're yeah, just gonna yeah. ignore it okay um and then but like then him saying like yeah i had no i would there's no way i'm gonna have thor in my movie like mm-hmm. he's like this i just he's not in there um so they had to write him out of uh in Thor Love and Thunder. And again, it's always really re- feels really weird because I think there is a really interesting a dynamic with uh Thor in there. And I think I would have I would have liked to have seen Thor be a part of the Guardians of the Galaxy. But then I I think I, I I felt like that basically up until Thor Love and Thunder, where I'm like, this is not what I wanted. You're you, you had something, but you're not you and then seeing Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, I'm like, oh, this is thank God. Mm-hmm. thank god he's yeah. not here like i don't want him here like he yeah, doesn't wonder, belong here i wonder how much of the thor stuff being part of the guardians came about during that period edit. it was an edit it was an edit oh, that okay yeah so that that's james, james kind of yeah james kind of said like uh it wasn't a part of the initial plan that he was going to stay with the guardians it wasn't until the uh they edited we're editing the movie together that decided to have him go off with oh, okay. uh, the guardians. okay 
Yeah, okay. but, it, but that goes into a lar- that larger conversation where like not I mean, like, like even including Thor with the Guardians in the first place. I do want. I was wondering what, my, what I was going to say is I wonder how much of that came about during that period when Gunn was fired from Marvel, and how much they're like, okay, well, this way we maybe we bring Thor and the Guardians together. Maybe we get Taika to do Guardians three or something like that, or 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 something. I want that's no. something that I, I'm curious. That's something I'd be curious to I, see if when the when the behind the scenes story gets completely told about all this. Yeah. There's a book coming out, uh, written by Joanna Robinson, Dave Gonzalez, and the third person I can't remember, um, called MCU. That's all about like the behind the scenes story mm-hmm. of it. Um, and Joanna is an old colleague of mine. Dave is, a, uh, another old classmate, you know, they're really good reporters. And I think it's going to probably shed some light on those things. Okay, um, I, I, I mean, I'm, I am curious about like, you know, like, it, look, we know that Feige, like I, as many issues I have with like the MC and Feige, like everything I've heard about Feige as a human being is like, he is a really good guy. Mm-hmm. Like he is, um, he doesn't drink. Um, he doesn't swear, um, which is nuts. Um, but like he is legitimately like he basically put like Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 on ice. So that way, like he could get a uh, gun back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, he was like the biggest proponent of gun coming back. Um, so I think it, it, it's, and again, I think it also shows like everyone, everyone, what I would, I find really interesting. I was thinking about this today because I knew it was going to come on, um, that some of the most like divisive directors you could t- think of from, uh, James Gunn to Ryan Johnson to Zack Snyder everyone who works with them is like, I would work with that person in a second. Mm-hmm. And like, like you have like these like fan bait, like there's a video uh, that I have coming out soon uh, with Michael Shannon and he was in man of steel. And that's going to be an interesting one. Cause he's like, you know, he actually really likes man of steel. He, he talked about it very positively. Um, and then, and then he like how much he liked working with Zack Snyder. And then he's like, uh, then he was in, uh, like, like uh, knives out, and he's like, "How much he likes working with Ryan Johnson?" It's going to divide the fan. It's going to either divide the fandoms more, or they're going to be like, "Wow, we have so much in common." Um, <laughs> but like, yeah, I think like everyone liked working with James Gunn, mm-hmm. and that's why they they fought for him to come back. And I'm so glad they did because, again, I, I feel like we're talking about a lot of different things. Um, but I feel like it, let's not lose out of the fact like this is just a really good fucking yeah. movie. I do want to make one more point and then I want to really dive into the movie discussion. But uh, I do think it's funny that the these right ring trolls, they're like, let's destroy James Gunn. And yes, I love only, this story. Yeah. The only way that you get James Gunn running DC is by him getting fired from Marvel and then DC being like, hey, you want to do a DC movie? <laughs> and, then he, and then he gets hired back by Marvel to finish up the Guardians trilogy, and then he gets in charge of running DC, and the Snyder Colts heads fucking explode. I love it. I love it. Uh, I I think it's really interesting, and I think it says it, it's an. I think I could be wrong. Um, I'm wrong about many things, but I think it is a good indic. It's indicative of the culture war and where they where things really stand. Mm-hmm. You know that like there are these people who took umbrage with things that, you know, were even gun apologized for before they became mm-hmm. public again, um, that they tried to cancel something. And by like, by in doing so actually show that 
no, you know, we rather this progressive voice be heard. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you only made them stronger. The f- I love the fact that like, out of like the worst of all outcomes, like this is the best one. Mm-hmm. Like I, 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 because there was a, a version of this where he was supposed to be in charge of sort of the cosmic side of the universe. That mm-hmm. was the plan before he got fired. He was going to do volume three. And then he was going to oversee the cosmic universe. Um, and that would have been cool. Mm-hmm. But I feel honestly, I feel like this is the best outcome where it's like, I get my Guardians of the galaxy uh, trilogy that I love and I will cherish. And it, it is perfect in his mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm going to get a Superman movie directed and written by James Gunn. Mm-hmm. And everything I've heard about that movie is sounds exciting. And everything about the DCU that he's creating sounds new and different and mm-hmm. like legit, like legitimately like not trying to be the next Marvel, but trying to be its own thing. And mm-hmm. just everything about everything we're getting is because they're alt right trolls, you know, uh, fucked around and found out. Yeah, it's fucking yeah. great. <laughs> uh, it's about this movie too, like there's one of the things that I thought that really spoke a lot to me personally was the the Gamora and, and Quill storyline because, um, you know, I've been in that situation where, where so Gunn was given the situation where, you, where, where your ex girl where your girlfriend died and came back from the dead and then no, not that situation. I'll explain because I was going like to he, say he's given this. He's well, you know, I mean that's happened to some of us, you know. but he's given the situation where um you know gamora dies and then she she comes back and she has no memory of her past and and you know i went into this with the expectation that um oh well maybe they'll find a way to give her her memory back in some way or because there's that whole thing with at the end of endgame where he's he's searching for gamora right and on the on the on the screen and then and the trailer this is also one of the things that got me a little bit nervous about the trailer because in that trailer there's that there's that scene where he's talking with Gamora, with Gamora and he's saying she comes back and she's a total dick. And then, um, and then Gamora says like, I don't know who you fell in love with, but it sounds more like Nebula. And then they're like, and then he gets kind of nervous around Nebula. It's like, no, 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 no. And he has that little look and she's like, knock it off. And I'm just like, Oh God, I hope, I hope Gunn is not going to force Nebula and Pete together. And at the beginning of guardians three, there's that little scene when he puts, when she puts him to bed, I'm just like, Oh God, I hope they're not going to do this. Fortunately, they didn't go down that route, um, but it was a it was a concern of mine. And instead, what we got was this story that is a metaphor for falling out of love with someone, and this whole idea of how it doesn't have to be a bad thing, right? And I yeah. and I've been in that situation. I've been married. I've been, and we and I had a, I got married once before. It we got it divorced, and it ended fine. Like it was not like some big acrimonious thing. It's not something where it's like if we see each other, like we're gonna, you know, we're gonna freak out and lose our shit. And yeah. like, you know, when my kids are born, she sent me a message to congratulate me. And you know, when um, when her daughter got engaged, I sent her a message to congratulate her. And it's just like it's it's fine. You can have a relationship end and be okay with it. And I thought, yeah, where that addressing that and going through all Peter's emotions through all that with all the anger and the depression. And I was like, I think that's, that was me. That was me like five years ago. And to see that play out on the big screen and then get to the point at the end where he's just like, yeah, you're not her, but you're not too bad yourself. Like, I'm just like, that's exactly what it is, right? It's not the same person you fell in love with, but it doesn't mean that they're a bad person. Now I thought that was, beautifully handled beautifully executed i also think what's great about that story was 
it's just uh, and I saw someone say this and I wish I remember who wrote it, but like in the hands of a lesser writer or a lesser director, they would have gotten them back together mm. that they would have really like, it would have been like, Oh, it's like star crossed lovers. They have to fall in love. Right. Um, and I think that is or I, the opposite. It would have been, they would have still been very acrimonious towards each other the whole time too. Yeah. I, I feel like there was like an, a version of, of this where I like, I wanted them to get together. Cause I really, I liked their relationship, especially in the first two stories. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's one of those, I think it shows how mature a writer gun is where he like, I don't know, obviously when it was decided that Gamora was going to die and that it was going to be reset and all these different things. Whereas like here you have Gamora, she is Gamora, but she's an older version of Gamora. She doesn't have the memories. Mm-hmm. And again, I think a younger writer would have been or or more novice or more uh, less skilled writer would have been like, well, they have to get back together because love conquers all. Right. And instead, he told a nuanced story to your point about like falling out of love. Uh, it is a lot more complex. It is a lot more. But it, it, it is. Uh, says so much more about who Peter is and how he grows and having having them fall out of love in quotes, like sh- allowing him to go off and have a, 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 like find out who he is outside of relationships and then having her have her own sort of family, a, a, a newfound family, um, having all of that uh, just, it's just, it, it's such a clever choice. Um, and then, but like, but then still having Nebula, like not be in a relationship, but like have Nebula have her own character growth. Like, I love the fact that she's the heavy in the first movie. And by the time she ends at the, in the, the end of the third, she's like, um, like, she's like, I'm going to give these children a life they never could have, I never could have had. Um, that is tremendous growth. And it is, I mean, again, it kind of cuts through with Avengers and I think uh, Infinity War and Endgame, and it helps that Gunn helped write those scenes. Um, but it's just, it's such an interesting character arc. All the, all the characters just have these amazing arcs. And I, it is so unparalleled that like you can actually see like all the characters in volume one being completely different places at the end of volume three and it all feel natural. I don't think I, that's the thing. I really don't see that in other Marvel films in that way. I mean, you could sort of argue Iron Man kind of goes from like, I'm not going to sacrifice myself to I'm going to sacrifice myself. Um, But it's, that's like a flip of a coin sort of growth. Whereas I think the, the, the changes that, they come to are gradual and they make sense. Um, like the fact that Drax dances at the end is such a beautiful choice because mm-hmm. it's also like, because it's like only fools dance. That's what he says in the first movie. Right. Uh, like I love, I saw my wife and she was still and then the second like, movie. Yeah. In, in the second movie. Yeah. And this movie, it was like, realizing like no i want to be like i'm gonna do the one thing that i've always want i i lost which was be a father mm-hmm. and then so he's gonna dance to make the kids happy um, and that's a through line that we pick up on in you know that, that that's a point that gets introduced in the first movie and 
And and the the way it ends in the first movie, right? There's that, and you think they're going down the the comic book route where, yeah, Drax is the destroyer. He wants to destroy Thanos for taking everything from him. And you think that's the route they're going to go on. And then in the second movie, it starts to turn. And then you see the relationship he has. Yeah, like that. And then when we get to the second movie, we see how how he is with Mantis and that Mm -hmm. whole aspect. And when he says, like, you remind me of, of, of my daughter, and I'm just like, and I didn't see it then, but then when we get to the third movie and we see how he is with the with the kids there, and then at the end when when Nebula voices it, she says, "You know, you're not a destroyer, you're a dad." I almost fucking lost it when I saw that. I'm just like, yeah. "Oh, that's that's the growth, right?" He's he went from wanting revenge for losing that opportunity to be a dad, and then he gets to the point where he realizes what he really wants is to just keep being a dad, and that was yeah beautifully told. Yeah, and like even like the I already mentioned like him uh, Quill returning to his grandfather, like mm. him saying like why do I want to go back to Earth where like my mom died, um, and or just being dismissive of it in the first movie, um, to being like oh I need to find the family that I actually have, um, so I can figure out who I am. Um, you have Mantis even being like I've spent all my life doing what it is everyone else wants me to do i need to figure out what it is that i want to do mm-hmm. um and then in you have uh rocket raccoon just i mean we can talk for hours about what they do with rocket but like him just basically pushing everyone away and understanding why he pushes everyone away to then becoming someone who's like i'm going to bring everyone in now um and then i, I and then the, the the i am group moment at the end is just mm-hmm. It's like it, I. It took me surprise, like when he says "I love you guys." I'm like, "What the fuck?" I'm mm-hmm. Like, holy crap! Like he, and then I, and then I realized, like, oh, because we understand him now, yeah, we're part yeah. of the family, and yeah. I love that. Like, just again, like I think there's so much thought and and purpose put into every single frame. Mm-hmm. I was listening to a really good interview. It's like. Uh, this guy David Chen, and uh, it was on the Slash Film podcast. I don't know who the other uh, uh, person was, but they talked a lot about how uh, it was actually two other people. And like, I'm I'm forcing can't remember their names, um, but you could really tell that there was so much thought put into the world building, the character arcs, in a way that I feel like a lot of the other MCU films haven't really done. And I think that's, we've talked about this before. I'm not sure if we've done it on the podcast or if we just talked about it online, offline, but again, to use sort of the, what happened with like WandaVision and Multiverse of Madness, where mm-hmm. they don't necessarily like, the left hand's not talked to the right hand. You know, there there's this whole storyline about how, about Wanda doing this whole thing and learning and trying and growing. And then her doing the exact same storyline in, in uh, multiverse of madness so mm. much of what marvel has done recently has been remaking redoing um the stories that they're doing literally at during production you know there's there it, a good example is uh she hulk uh the penultimate episode was re-edited into the premiere episode um mm. in during edit uh you know there have been major plot lines that were changed in falcon the winter soldier um, literally like whole plot lines completely excised during right. production. Miss Marvel, a show that I, again, have some bias on, A, because um, my friend Ashley worked on it from What If uh, and helped rewrite it. 
Uh, but and also you can see my apartment in some of the aerial shots. Um, you know, I'm not saying which shot because I don't want you to find out where I live, but it takes place in Jersey City and I live in Jersey City. Uh, so, yeah, you could see my apartment. I am Canon and Marvel. That's what I'm saying. Um, but like that show was dramatically changed during the production. Mm-hmm. Dramatically changed during the production. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what is so nice and like even like, you know, with uh, Quantumania, like it's there's they were talking about Quantumania in relation to where like it's just the there's cool looking imagery and stuff in the background, very alien stuff, um, you know, and that's fine. But you don't have this sort of sense of like, oh, there's a purpose for this There's a reason mm-hmm. why this is here. Um, whereas I think with everything that happens in Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, let's just say volume three for now, but like, you know, the, the grown biological planet, that's mm-hmm. such an fascinating decision. Uh, and the way it's designed, the way it's built, it's all like, it's all so well thought out. Like all the locations are, are very deliberate. Um, yeah, it's just, it's like, even the, the hallway scene, like, Oh, that hallway just, scene was beautiful that was beautifully shot perfectly executed yeah and it's just like but it like you get like a sense of like everything it has its purpose everything has its meaning and it's just i it just it's so refreshing to have mm-hmm. this is true of like any franchise uh, these days but like to to have someone behind the camera with such a singular voice and such a singular aspect that like it all builds upon each other to create something very special mm-hmm. yeah um one of the things too about all of that. And, uh, you know, going back to what you said about Nebula, I, I thought it was really interesting how, cause I was, again, I'm not a big cosmic, uh, Marvel guy. So, um, I, I, I didn't really care much about Nebula in the comics and yeah. same thing with like a lot of these characters. Um, like the, only, I think the only ones that feel the most like they are in the comics are probably rocket and Groot, but everyone else feels very different from what they are in the comic books. And, normally I would, you know, have some pushback on that and be like, Oh, you know, I prefer the comic, but these, the way gun does it and the way he executes these characters here, I vastly prefer these versions of it to the comic versions. Yeah. Um, I mean, what he does with Nebula is he makes her such a brilliant, well-rounded character. It's, it's all about like how she goes from, you know, someone who's trying so desperately to get her father's approval because she just keeps losing and she keeps getting it. Like she, she's a battered child who just wants to be loved. And it's just like, that comes, ah, uh, how they pull that all together. And Karen Gillan is just like, there's so many MVPs of this franchise, but she's definitely one of them. Like, yeah. I mean, like I was a Karen Gillan fan, uh, because of Dr. Who, like mm-hmm. I, uh, like I, I, I love her in general. Uh, I think she's great. Um, and I have a, a not insignificant crush on her. Um, but at the same time, like a lot of that is because of Doctor Who. But I think what's interesting, what I keep on thinking about with this film is how much I actually like Chris Pratt in this movie. I was going to talk about the Chris I, Pratt thing. And I, I, I just I just want to get this out of the way first while it's in my head, but yeah. this is something I'm, that's been bugging me for a while is I am so done with progressive Twitter's hate of Chris Pratt. 
it's okay. To, uh, it's, it's okay, okay. baby. <laughs> My daughter just knocked over. It's some okay. Stuff. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. It's they're all good. plastic, baby. It's okay. They're not. They're not glass. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I am so done with the the progressive progressive Twitter's hatred of Chris Pratt. Like I'm just like, and all of it seems very much like we have to find a reason to hate him. And it's just like it. Yeah. It seems like a lot of it just seems like it's reaching. He's a He's a Christian guy who has some, maybe has been to a church that maybe has said some stuff, but he's never done anything that I can see in his personal life. And it's like, I think it's, I just think it's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I, there, that is fair. And I think my issue with Chris Pratt is, and the point I was trying to make is that like, I think Chris Pratt is one of those actors that in the hands of a really good director, like James Gunn, mm-hmm can actually do a lot with the material. He's a very funny guy. I love him in Parks and Rec. Um, I think the Guardians of the Galaxy films has shown his, uh, like, give, helped him kind of figure out his trademark, but also given him a lot of range. Mm-hmm. And I think what's happened is, with, like, the Colin Trevorrow of it all, with uh, Jurassic World, um, and some of the other films he's done, you know, I feel like a lot of things I've seen him in haven't had the sort of nuance that he has in Guardians of the Galaxy. Right. And I think it's a, it's it, what I keep on thinking about when it comes to Chris Pratt, uh, even Karen Gillan, again, who I think is great. Um, but just the whole cast in general, it's like you have the right director with the right, like the right script. You can get a lot out of uh, 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 of of actors who under lesser directors lesser writers will produce mediocre stuff. I think my biggest criticism of Chris Pratt has been, is that outside of Parks and Rec and outside of Guardians of the Galaxy, he's been fine. Mm -hmm. You know, I think he is, he has banked himself as like, you know, I think there's always like, there's a, as like, there's always a sort of, here's our like handsome white guy who is the next big thing. And they just Mm -hmm. peter out instantly there was sam worthington um as is the example i always go to like he was going to be the next big thing he was an attack of the uh attack of the titans or uh, clash Clash of the titans Titans. yeah yeah clash of the titans and then he was in the the terminator film and now like i don't know what he's in and gar and i think chris pat became sort of like the next big like action hero guy because Mm. of gardens galaxy and he's proven to be successful in it um but I don't think there's any single film that he's done that matches the quality of his performance. Yeah. Like in guardians. Um, I think, yeah. And like, and Gunn was saying this, like, you know, hit with the exception of Zoe Saldana, who is great in everything. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you think about like all the amazing movie that she's in, like she's in literally like every other version of like the, the best franchises. Like I don't, I don't love Avatar by any stretch of the imagination, but mm. she's in that movie. She's in the most successful uh, series of all time. She's in Guardians of the Galaxy. She's in the Avengers movies, and she's also in like some really great Star Trek films. She's great. Um, but then, like, you, you know, I Mantis's- I know a lot of people don't yeah. don't care for, her, but I thought she was actually really good in the Netflix's version of, of Rosemary's Baby too. If you ever saw that, I haven't seen that, so I can't. I cannot comment. But um, I thought it was actually pretty good. Love- it, it's it's not. I mean, it's not the original, right? It's not never going to be. But I thought it was actually a pretty interesting update of that story. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I'm going to take your word on it. Uh, but I also think, like for example, like one of my favorite, um, like even Mantis is one of those where I think she would again in the the wrong hands. 
with the wrong casting could have been really one note. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but and then you have like uh, the guy. Uh, God, I can't remember uh, remember his name at the moment. Um, the who plays the high evolutionary. Um, oh yeah, I just, was one. Yeah, I, I got to look up his just, name too. But yeah, keep going, keep going. Yes. Because his because he's I mean he's amazing in Peacemaker and he's amazing in this and even like just so you know, uh, like, Chakud, I'm probably gonna mispronounce this but Chakudi Iwuji yeah he's he's just phenomenal it's just mm. again I think it's it's Gardens of the Galaxy volume like again even like Will Porter as uh, uh, as Adam Warlock where I think under the wrong director. I think that would have been really like his character, his take on the character could have been really grating, but mm-hmm. he's a lot of fun in this movie. Like, yeah. even though he's like to your point earlier, it's like maybe he's a little, uh, he's kind of a heavy and it's kind of a joke and he's not really like integrated into the movie as much as he could have been. He is so much fun. He's so much fun in this movie because you have the right director and the right writer with the right talent. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, to that point as well, I mean, even Vin Diesel, right. Well, just says yeah. three lines. I'd argue that he gives a better, he gives stronger performances in these three movies, just saying those three lines over and over again. than he gives in all, you know, 10 of the fast and furious movies. I mean, as someone who has only seen, I think one and a half fast and furious movies. I saw the first one. I think I saw scenes from the second one on TV. I think I saw scenes from volume three, the third mm-hmm. one. I definitely saw Hobbs and Shaw for work. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have literally no desire to the, those movie looks, those movies look terrible to me. They're, I look at those movies and I, and they I, are, I, I, they are unbelievably stupid, but also fun. At least up until I, like nine, I, 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 Nine, I did not let, I did not care for because that was when they lost Dwayne Johnson, and and once he was gone, it just it, it they lost something with that too. But like five, six, seven, eight, they're stupid. They're incredibly fucking stupid. But I, they're, I've, they're I've dumb. Heard, they're incredibly yeah. fun too. I've heard that like like yeah, like the fifth one is where it gets like really good. But also that's like for me, that's like that means I have to watch. Three, two. Nope. I, I never watched. I, I never watched watch three and four. Nope. 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 Yeah. I've only watched but the first I, two. Never watched three and four, and I've never was never lost once. And I, I, but at the same time, I'm just like again, I'm a completionist, so and just like I, I don't want to have to watch five movies to get to the where it's good. And then it's, but it's always like the fifth one's amazing, and then like it becomes like a series of diminishing returns again. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like I don't, I don't got time for that, and I just. Like they were, they were just it's like, look, I'm all, I, 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 I fully support series evolving and changing over time. I think it's a fascinating. Um, and it's a very unique thing that, that with literature of, of both cinematic and, you know, televised and actual literature and comics where you have to see, things change dramatically it doesn't always happen but i think it's always it's fascinating to see like you you see the things start like and and the, i think it's the unintentional evolution that's always interesting it starts here and then it becomes something really wacky and like you know you have like a completely different cast but like the show is going on for like three year, th- four or five more years like that's mm. fascinating but like 
But like the, the evolution of the Fast and the Furious films just like confused the fuck out of me. It's just like, okay, they started with DVD players. Like, why are they in space? I don't understand. I don't want to understand. That's, I just, I don't want to understand. Um, I mean, honestly, for, yeah, for I, me, like, I, I view that franchise and I say it starts with five because the other ones don't matter. And it's just like, it's completely, it's like, it, it is like five is a reboot of the entire series. And it's just like, let's reboot heard, this yeah. in the most coked out way possible. And it's, yeah, it's stupid fun. It's ridiculous, but it is a lot of fun. I will give it that. Um, but yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, so I want to talk a little bit about the high evolutionary because I thought, you know, Iwuji was just, he was incredible in this. Like I, again, not yeah. a big high evolutionary guy in the comics, but from what I know about the character, I thought he had done a pretty good job capturing him. And just like the way he, he, uh, it was, and just like the, that ending with him and where you find out why his face looks all stretched out of why he's got that Robocop looking face. Um, yeah. And then, you see what Rocket had done to him, and they actually fucking showed it. I'm just like, yeah. oh, this is this is pretty damn awesome. Yeah, I also like. I mean, we're, I, I'm gonna double back, but like, we haven't talked about uh, Lila, Teeth, and oh. Floor. Yeah, I mean th- that I. And again, I think this kind of this is a, a, a large issue. Like the, the the CGI in this movie is amazing. Mm-hmm. It looks, I mean, you can tell the gun put a lot of thought into the CGI um, and the performances, but like that storyline, I mean, you know, it's coming, you know, they're not going to make it because they're not in the story. Mm-hmm. Um, but they do such a great job of making you care about them. It's heartbreaking. Like, it I is, think I'm yeah. sadder. Like, I mean, I kind of knew Lila was going to die, but like the moment that Tief and Floor died, I'm like, oh, not them. Like mm-hmm. they're the most innocent things in the entire world. And it made, it showed how monstrous high ev- the high level evolutionary was. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, it was just heartbreaking. Like, I mean, I got so invested in what, and what I knew to be completely CGI characters mm-hmm. and in a way that I haven't felt invested in actual human beings. Um, you know, it, it, uh, in the MCU in a very, very long time. And this is, and it also, it, yeah. This is what, um, what annoys me when people are always bad mouthing CGI. Cause I'm just like, it's yes. CGI can be used bad, but CGI in itself is not bad. And I think this movie proves that you can use CGI as a very effective tool to create very engaging characters. It's not that it has to be practical or nothing. Practical is fine. Like I, um, eh, but it's not, they did such an amazing job with the CGI in this. And like, I was, I was weeping at that scene when, yeah. when Lila dies. And then when you see Teefs and floor dead and yeah, I right there with you. And gun is one of those directors who knows how to use CGI and how to use it effectively. I think, yeah, I think, you know, uh, like there's a top who is an, an ILM, uh, ILM, uh, God, he works at ILM. I forget exactly what he, what his job title is, but like so much of it is like what makes a story work, uh, a CGI work is uh, making sure that the the shot design is there, like the composition is there, mm. um, like it's all well thought out, um, 
and it gun knows like he's like i'm i'm going to have these cgi characters so i'm going to plan for it he's going to use that tool as effectively as possible right and i think way too much too many directors and marvel in general has relied on like well we can do anything in cgi so let's do it yeah. so that's why like but but they keep on changing their mind and that's why you have less than stellar looking vfx whereas mm-hmm. gun knows what he wants to use and he's going to use it as effectively as possible. So he can shoot something that's completely on green screen. There's like some footage I saw of like Karen, Karen Gillan riding a thing and it's a blue, she's on a blue screen on a blue thing. And like, but the, the finished product looks great. It looks mm. seamless because, you know, he actually knew what he wanted yeah. from that shot. Uh, yeah. And he didn't change his mind last minute. So it's, you know, yeah, it's just it, again, I, I, it's evidence of someone who knew what they wanted to do and what they wanted to say, mm-hmm. and at every point, from the VFX to uh, the actors to just the the the, the, the way the shots are framed, Gunn knew what he wanted to use his film to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, also, talking about and then you know, obviously talking about Rocket in this too. I mean. Yeah. Fairly recently, uh, Gunn had said that Rocket's actually the main character of the series, not yeah. Quill. And then, and I'd never thought about it that way. But then I was thinking about it going back. I'm like, actually, yeah, that does make a lot of sense. If you look at this as Rocket's journey. And then I love that scene when he has, has that vision of Lila and, yeah. um, and she says to him, you've been the, you've been the main character all along. And, yeah. It's been your story uh, all along. Yeah. 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 Uh, I fucking lost it at that. It's a good, it's, um, yeah, it's interesting because it's like, it all tracks. Like, I think you can sort of almost like, I would argue that they're co-protagonists. Yeah. Um, but I mean, obviously, but like, yeah, like there's a great scene in, uh, volume two where, uh, Yandu is just like, because you're me. Like, it's just like, he's love that scene. Yeah. And you're, and I, I think that that scene it's funny as you look at that scene now and he's like, you push it, you push everyone. Cause like, eat, like you're worried that it's like it, you get that heart hurt inside you that you'll feel it again. Um, that is, that is such a, um, like it, now that you know what the hurt was, you're like, Oh man. Yeah. I, yep. Yeah, yep. That's a dead on thing. And again, that's just the cohesion of this, this trilogy. Yeah. Uh, and just Bradley Cooper. I mean, I was, I, I love the fact that he was cast as rocket to begin with when they announced that he was going to be the voice. I'm like, cause I didn't know outside of, um, uh, Zoe Saldana and obviously Vin Diesel. I didn't know any of the actors. I didn't, hadn't been familiar with any of them when they, when they announced the cast, of the first guardians, but when they announced Bradley Cooper as rocket, I'm like, Oh wow, that's, pr- that'll be interesting. Cause I, I, I dig Bradley Cooper. I've dug him in, in the hangover stuff in, um, I, I like the A team. I know a lot of people hate that movie, but I thought it was a lot of fun and I thought he was great in that movie. Uh, I liked him in limitless and, and you know, so many other stuff I've seen him in. So I'm just like, Oh yeah, this is gonna be awesome. And then when I saw the movie, I could not recognize his voice at all. So much so yeah. that every time I watch one of these movies, I just double check. Wait, is it still Bradley Cooper doing that voice? Cause it does not sound like him. And then, yeah, he did all the present day stuff he mm-hmm. did uh the young uh was the the was, young uh rocket it was sean gun and yeah, yeah. there was a the, the 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 child of someone else okay okay 
Um, and yeah, and he just he, he knocked it out of the park. Like his his performance in these in all in all these movies and also in the in the Avengers movies has just been. I mean, seriously, Rocket hands down my favorite character of the Guardians. He was yeah. going into it, and he still remains my favorite of all of them. And just like the the character growth, and when he goes into the the animal pen at the end, he sees the raccoon sign on it, and then yeah. when he when he announces his name and he says, I'm rocket raccoon. And I'm just like, fucking yeah. finally it's like, and I wasn't yeah. against him, like making fun of the fact that he's like, don't call me raccoon. I, I thought it was a funny little joke in joke. Cause that's his name in the comics, but to see that at the end there. And, and, and we also see like, even his love of music, we see where it comes from. Yeah. This. Cause at, you know, we're, we're left thinking in the entire time, like, Oh, well he got that from Peter, obviously. But then yeah. we see in this movie, he's like, no, no, he had this in him from the beginning. And it's just, yeah, it, uh, it was, it, I, I, I'm running out of things to say. Like I'm, I'm getting speechless, but it was just, it was such a beautiful journey for that character. And I love too, that this is something that I'd seen a lot of people um, and getting um, talk, speculating about. And some people even, after seeing it, like being ang- being upset about the fact that no one dies, and I don't know about you, but I think the whole it's the it's the last movie we have to kill a bunch of character is the laziest yeah. fucking trope ever. It's yeah, so you fucking say stupid. that as a, as I've killed off a lot of characters in my. I mean, I have too, theory, but, but but at the same point, yeah. when it's like when it's done just because it's the last one, it's so fucking lazy. Yeah, it's because it's like I, I is with the llama. Like I'm, I do kill off a lot of characters, but I also, since I'm playing with time, I am bringing some back mm-hmm. in different ways. So it's interesting. But like, uh, that's I, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole because I could talk about it for a while. But I, I, I think what, well, yeah, what is really refreshing about Gunn's decision not to kill anyone off, um. Again, it's that maturity. It's just mm-hmm. I'm going to tell a story about these characters and having them grow and experience a kind of loss, yeah, a heartbreaking loss, which is like the loss of this family unit, this loss of this this uh, like this relationship, the loss of uh, friends that help define you, um, and but still like come out of it like knowing like they're 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 gonna be okay right that was i i felt that was such a braver choice than you know like oh we're gonna kill off you know drax you know because Mm -hmm. you know and it it was and he teased us he teased us right because with that scene with with quill at the end there i'm just like oh fuck here it comes here it comes we gotta have the and it felt like I'm like if they, if they kill him off this way, it's going to be so fucking lazy, and I, I hate this death yeah. scene. And and then um, and I yeah, I could argue yeah. like that that scene felt a little bit forced when you know Warlock comes out of nowhere and saves him. But at the same time, I'm still glad he I'm, I still prefer that than killing him off. Oh yeah, totally. Uh, well, also let's talk about the. Um, the how the new team at the end that forms in the in the wake of this well first right. of all, before that one thing about um gamora too i because i know a lot of um fans of cosmic marvel have said that gamora out of all the characters like gamora is probably the least like she is in the comics and i can get that but i think what was kind of funny here is by the end of it it kind of feels like she's her comics counterpart now she feels more like she is in the comics in this movie 
than she than she has before because now she really does feel like the most dangerous woman in the galaxy. Yeah, I have I I'm not familiar with her on that comic, so I really can't comment on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I I do I think with Gamora, it's inter- again, I think it's a really clever choice to she goes through significant growth in this movie mm-hmm. where you could sort of see her go from this other version of Gamora to be someone that's similar to, but distinct from the Gamora that we came to know and love. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fact that she can understand Groot at the end is indicative of that. Yeah. I think it's, it is, but then she's still like, yes, I am. I'm part of this family, but I have my a family of my own. Mm-hmm. Um, that is, I don't know. I, I, it's funny. Cause like, I, I talked to my girlfriend the morning after I saw it. Uh, and then I, I talked to her again a couple of days later. I'm like, I don't think I explained myself because she's a night nurse. So we talk in the morning. Um, and I'm like, no, you don't understand. Like, not only was I weeping, but it does all these things that are so unique and it makes sense. And I didn't, I don't want to spoil anything to, to her, uh, even mm. though she doesn't care about spoilers, but I do. Um, and I'm like, what they do with Peter and Gamora is not the story that I expected, but it's the right story to be told. Yeah. Um, it's just, yeah, I, 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 again, I don't, I can't speak to the comic version of it all, but I think it's a really clever choice to make her, you know, have this realization of what makes the guardian so special mm-hmm. and um, allow her then to kind of move on to, the next phase of her life. Because Zoe Zelana is done. She's not coming back. Right. Neither is uh, Dave Bautista, uh, who is just so good. Mm-hmm. Da- like Dave Bautista is like easily the best uh, wrestler turned actor. Um, then it's John Cena. Mm-hmm. Um, well, like we were talking about when then, we talked about um, yeah. uh, Peacemaker. Peacemaker. Like it, when we get a wrestler transitioning into actor, you might get lucky and it might be a Dwayne Johnson type where he's fun to watch, but he's not, doesn't have all that much range, but yeah, most of the time it's probably more like you're going to get a Hulk Hogan and yeah. And then we get John, we get Dave Pautista and we get John Cena and it's just like, they're just they're fucking incredible actors. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because like the rock had range mm-hmm. and then he realized what was safe and what yeah. would get him money. And then he realized that he can't, uh, reshape the DC universe. <laughs> the balance of power did, did not shift, <laughs> but it did. That's the thing. Like, like not in the it, way it, he it intended, kind of though. <laughs> it's hilarious. Uh, um, what, a, what a bad move on his part. Yeah, anyway. yeah. Um, I feel bad for Henry I mean, Cavill. Though. I mean, Henry Cavill, he'll be fine. I yeah, think it's yeah. yeah. I feel bad. I he was used as a pawn mm-hmm. um, in a game that like it was unfair um i feel like based on everything i'm hearing what gun wants to do with superman legacy i think if henry cavill been cast like if like if gun had been in charge when cavill was cast we would get that movie with cavill but yeah yeah you know it did it uh i I, i'm making expressions like anybody can see this on a podcast um you know i think it was this just he was used as a pawn because Mm -hmm. the rock and he have the same 
PR rep and they're trying to get control of the DC mm-hmm. universe and didn't that work out? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, what do you think of the new, uh, team at the end? Like I thought it was a, it was a smart choice for, um, rocket to finally be the, the leader of the team here. Cause it's, yeah. that's the perfect end to his growth, right? Cause he's been, he goes from this, like, even though he had Groot, he was still basically a loner. And then to yeah. like accepting that he's part of the family to now becoming the leader of the team, I thought was, you know, perfect uh, use of the perfect way to, to end on that character's note. Yeah. And I also like that uh, Adam Warlock's a member of the team because mm-hmm. that kind of like they even say, like, everyone deserves a second chance. You know, right. that is it, it, we see that happen with Nebula, Gamora. Um, every Yondu. character has Yondu. Um, and so having him be a part of it, like, yeah, that felt right. Um, mm-hmm. It also was nice seeing um, John Gunn's character, whose name I'm blanking on right now. Cosmo. It's Midnight Warrior. Oh, no, no, Craig no, Cragon, Sorry, I was not... Cragon, Cragon, yeah. yeah. Cosmo, that was cute cosmo like i like yeah. <laughs> they never called me a bad dog i was so glad because we saw we got the tease of cosmo in the first movie and then and then we we didn't see her again and then we saw her in uh and then she popped up in uh a holiday special i'm like oh yes and then when we're going when i'm going to the theater i looked at the poster and they've got cosmo on the poster i'm like cosmo's gonna be in this movie like she didn't have a big yeah. role but i love that she did have some role in it and i do yeah. like that she's a she's a member of the team now going forward um and also bringing in Philavel. I thought that was an interesting choice too. Yeah, I have no idea who she is beyond this movie. So I have She's uh know. she's Marvel's daughter. Uh okay. Uh yeah, I think it's I, I, personally I think it's like it's just nice. I think it's a nice change. I think it's like mm-hmm. again, it's I like the fact that it's a very unique and distinct team. Yeah, yeah. And um and we get still and still Rocket and Groot as like the core of the team. I like that too. Yes, exactly. Um, oh, what else do I want to say about it? Oh, Nathan Fillion's role. <laughs> I, yes. He, goddamn, he had me. The I think he was probably the laugh out loudest part of this movie was me watching Nathan Fillion up until Drax throws the ball at the girl. Yeah, I also like he's like I have one of those. It's just like I thought you meant something else. <laughs> yeah, God, so good. Oh God, Nathan Fillion. What a guy! Mm. And I, I, I don't know. I'm I'm glad that we had him. We had get he got a little bit bigger of a part because we had him in that small voice part in the first one, and then he's just yeah. the cameo of Silent Simon Williams on the poster in the second one, and and um, which now we know is going to be a different Simon Williams because <laughs> we're getting a different guy playing him in the TV show. But um, yeah. I'm so glad we got to see a little bit of Nathan Fillion in this. That was so much fun for me. Um, but yeah, I think that. What do you think about the um, ending with uh, with the legendary Star Lord will return? I mean, I that kind of bummed me out because I really, I think it was like I really like the, I liked the beat with him and his grandfather and this very mundane. Let's just like like just drinking, uh, like eating cereal mm-hmm. and like slurping up the milk and just having like you know just like I'll, I'll go like just a very, very mundane, like I'll go and uh, mow the lawn. Yeah. lawn it, feels, it feels weird. Um, I liked it a lot. Um, the legendary Starlord return, it felt both ironic because of the, the context, mm-hmm. but I think 
ultimately it did kind of bum me out where I just kind of wanted us to fade to black. I don't, don't, it was like the one I'm like, please don't tease me. I don't need, I don't, I, I'm so happy right now. I'm not looking forward to the next thing. Like again, and I say this is someone who loves Doctor Who, who loves all these like ongoing things and Star Wars and things like that. But there's something to be said about endings. Like the things that I loved about like, what I like about the sequel trilogy from Star Wars is like, oh, the characters like die and or have like actual endings. That's really nice. I kind of want to see more of that. Um, the The universe can continue, but it's nice seeing these characters kind of, you know, get their curtain call. Um, and I think that was the thing that, so when it's like, oh, legendary Star Wars, which I'm like, don't, please just give a curtain call. Like, he can show up later. Don't, t- don't fucking tell I mean, me. Stop it. Because as far as I know, Chris Pratt hasn't said anything about coming back for any other movie. So I felt like that was done ironically. I, I could, I could see that. Um, because obviously, because this is Gunn's last film. He said he's not doing another Guardians film. And I don't think, I don't see Pratt coming back to do um, to do another one without gun. So I, I feel like it was really intended to be ironic, which is why I thought it was funny. Um, I, if anything, I think it'd be funny to do like, remember when they did the whole team Thor stuff with him and the, um, with his Australian roommate, if we saw some yeah. of like, you know, do some like, you know, Disney plus shorts or something like that with like star Lord doing mundane shit on earth, I think it would be funny. That would be fun. Yeah. I, but like, yeah, I, I just, I really, I, I, it's weird. Like as much as I want more stories with these characters, like I don't want more story. Like mm-hmm. I like that I, I, you know, again, I like that I have like this perfect little trilogy plus that I can hold in my arms, and, I, you know, I, it's like I was, I was listening to like, uh, Kristen Ritter talk about the Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment Twenty Three the other day, and she's oh, that like, was such an amazing show. It's such an amazing show. It's two seasons. It never got bad. Is some there's something we said about shows that like just never got bad. Mm-hmm. They just they it, they ended and it's heartbreaking, but they never got bad. They, yeah. they never lost like like I think like I loved the, I loved the CW, but like I can't remember the last time I watched the Flash. Like and apparently it's ending now, but it's like season ten. Yeah, it's season and nine. It's yeah. Like, yeah, I haven't seen any of the like, season, yeah, but yeah, seasons seven and eight were a slog for me to get through. Um, yeah. Uh, I think I dropped off like season four or five. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, uh, now we're transitioning and my daughter's getting fussy. She wants to go out. So <laughs> we should probably close up here. Um, but yeah, I God, this movie was just so the final thing I want to talk about. Like, obviously, I think we're both in agreement that probably the best trilogy of the the, the MCU. Um, yes. I mean, I would argue. No, no, I think I'd probably say that probably. Yeah. Cap comes close to giving it a run for its money but um it's really this one is consistently the best all throughout i think the most yeah. definitely the most consistent trilogy um but of those three movies do you have a favorite the three guardians films it's i really don't i have to rewatch them it's i they sort of all sort of form like an amorphous blob in my mind and i say that mm. in the best way possible possible um I think it's maybe the first one's probably s- still the best um, because I think it was such a breath of fresh air. No, 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 no. What am I saying? Because I love the second volume more. Um, I yeah, they, they they all kind of blurred in my mind, but, and and I mean this in the best way possible because I think the first ones are really great, sort of introductory 
story. And it's all like this huge, massive, like what it felt like to watch the Star Wars for the first time, which is what Gunn wanted to do. What I really liked about the second one was what if we, instead of trying to like up the stakes, what if we made something smaller and told us a really intimate story uh, about this family? Um, and there's a lot of heart in that movie. And I love that. Um, very cathartic at the end when the, when Yandu dies, beautiful. And then this one, I think is that really interesting merger of the three where you have a very heartfelt storyline about this found family um, with literal, like not galactic stakes, but like very large stakes kind of interweaved together. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's kind of, I don't know if I can say which one's my favorite yet. I, I would need to rewatch it, but also I think like as a trilogy, it's just it, it, it increasing returns. And I'm just, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I, I think I'm kind of in the same boat. I think, and again, I'd have to rewatch them to, to feel it. And it might just be the, that euphoric feeling after you watch a movie for the first time. So yeah, um, like I, my personal thing is after I watch a movie the first time, I usually have two reactions to two gut reactions. It's either like, Oh my God, that was amazing. Or eh, eh I didn't really like that that much. It's, it's very off. Yeah. And then I have to watch it again to kind of form a more, you know, complete opinion of it. But yeah, this one at the moment, I think I'm kind of leaning towards this one. Um, and, and there's, you know, there's some bias in that with the, the, the personal aspects, how it relates to my own life. It, there's the, there's the bias of rocket being my favorite character in it. So there's, there's just so much in it. I love, uh, but at the same time too, like two was the one that, that was the last movie my dad and I saw in the theater together. So that's very, that's very important to me for that reason. And like to tie that in with the whole theme of fatherhood, which is like the, the perfect, I can't think of a more perfect final movie. I would have watched one to watch with my dad. So, um, yeah. But yeah, it but it's it's just it's been consistently a good trilogy, and it's just like each movie finds a way to do something different, right? To, to something you had kind of mentioned earlier, right? The whole idea of like Iron Man going from this character journey being very selfish, and then to becoming self-sacrificing. It's a character journey he goes on a few times in the MCU. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. I don't, <laughs> I don't mind that. Yeah. Like, I don't mind that. Obviously, you, you've got some thoughts on that, but but. Um, and but what I think was really cool about this is that Gunn found a way to to tell to to tell new stories with these characters while keep, still keeping them true to those characters and not new stories in like the Stanley illusion of change way, but new stories in that they grew significantly in yeah. each one of these movies. And I thought that that's a rare town. Like and I and I'm not saying this as a as a point of criticism because it's very fucking hard to do. It's very hard to do. It's I'm in awe of his his craftsmanship at being able to do that. And um, so, yeah, it's it's hard to pick a favorite, but I think I am kind of slightly leaning towards three at the moment. I can see that. Yeah, I think to to that point, I think it is so refreshing to see an MCU character that doesn't sort of have the same arc over and over Mm -hmm. again. Yeah. it is really nice. To, like, I mean, it's weird. Like the one character that kind of has like a, like a slight reset. It's like, you can kind of see an Avengers infinity war that like, like Quill is a little bit of like a step back from volume two. Mm-hmm. And you're like, Oh yeah. That's because Gunn didn't write and direct that movie. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, anyway, uh, Adam, right. uh, tell people where they can find your stuff. 
Well, you can find me basically on every social media uh, that is currently existing and probably will exist at Adam Lance Garcia. That's all one word. Um, and you can find my first Star Wars story coming out in Star Wars from a certain point of view, Return of the Jedi. It's uh, publishing August 29th uh, in the United States and probably around the world. Um, yeah, uh, it's going to be a good one. Awesome. I'm pretty proud of it. Okay, well, we, we'll have a link to the pre-order uh, in the in the show notes, just like last time with uh, when you were on for Green Hornet. So definitely check that out along with the other stuff. Um, Adam, thanks again for coming on. I'm so glad we got to talk about uh, Guardians of the Galaxy three. Uh, we talked about a bunch of gun stuff, but we hadn't had you on an episode to talk about any of the Guardians related stuff. So this was um, so I'm glad we were able to get you on for this. Always a pleasure, my friend. Okay, so that does it for this episode of Superhero Cinephiles. SuperheroCinephiles.com is the website. Super Cinema Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And remember, you subscribe to our Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. You get these episodes a week in advance. No ads, plus also access to the Superhero Cinephiles Book Club podcast, where once a month we talk about comic books, graphic novels, all that fun stuff. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. If you enjoy the Superhero Cinephiles, then you'll also love my companion podcast, the Superhero Cinephiles Book Club. All my Patreon subscribers get access to this exclusive podcast where I review superhero comics and graphic novels. Not sure what comics you want to read next or what you should dive into? I've got you covered on that. I'll be doing reviews, recommendations, and also talking to you about useful entry points if you're interested in reading some comics but don't know where you should start. Plus, you'll get access to all episodes of the main show a week before everyone else. On all of this, for as little as just a dollar a month, all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash supercinemapod, and you can sign up at any subscription amount to get started. Thanks so much for your support, and please don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and as always, good night, good evening, God bless.